and clear. Welcome, folks, to another fabulous episode of Dr. PPR. I'm your host, Henry Markin. Again, that's Dr. PPR, not Dr. Pepper, and definitely not Dr. PP. It was really not hard to figure the difference between those two. Anyways, so uh, thank you for listening to all the advertisements, and thank you for welcoming me back into your airwaves and into your ears. Um, we had a lot of great football over the weekend. Wow. Uh, just, just wow. Some unbelievable football took place across the board. And then we had some really boring football, you know, which was like, okay, I guess football is still football, right? And then you had the New York Jets on Monday night. Oh, don't worry. Um, they're on primetime next week too, by the way. Like, what the hell? I I'm sorry. I, I love the story of the Jets, but can we stop booking them for the primetime game? Why? I, I, let's, let's see if we can stop booking bad matchups for these primetime games. Like, let's just see. Let's just try that out. You know, I'm, I'm just going to say this. As a doctor, it's really bad for the mental health of America. If you put out these dog shit games when they're sitting on their couch after a miserable day, whatever it is that they're doing, you put out these games just so that they could see the New York Jets go scoreless against the Chargers or effectively scoreless, right? And again, NFL, I know you can't control the score of these games. Well, not really, but we got to do better about matching up these teams. Right. And I know that I know you plan the Thursdays and the Monday games in advance. You know, I don't know if it's a year or whatever. I know you have no control if, if God forbid, Aaron Rodgers gets hurt week one, play four. You know, all your Jets primetime games with Rodgers, that, that plan is squashed. I get that. But we don't have to overbook some of these teams, right? We don't have to overbook them. Didn't we learn from last year when we were really excited about Russell Wilson and the Broncos? They turned out to be one of the biggest goose eggs in NFL history. Oh, shoot. I mean, they had a primetime game just about every corner. It just like it was like it, you had better odds of, of seeing them on Thursday night than any other team. So, again, I get it. You, you, you expected Rodgers to be healthy. You expected the Bills to be better. Um, you expect a lot of things when you make these when you make these things. How about let's just stop expecting anything. This is the National Football League. Any given Sunday, right? Let's I got a solution for you. Um how about this? From next season on cuz this season is already booked. Uh let's think about this. Thursday night and Monday night football games can only be divisional rivalries. Period. Like enough with these first time matchups on a primetime game, because chances are you're going to have a lot of unfamiliarity. Oh, what happens here? Well, I don't know that we, we want to see Mahomes play against friggin' Will Levis. Why? It's going to be 10 to seven. Okay. G give me a divisional rivalry every Thursday and Monday night. The games you have to play in advance, at least there could be a chance for some fireworks or, or some meaning in that game. I mean, the Jets-Chargers game was over. It was done by the second quarter. You knew nothing was going to come from Herbert. Zach Wilson 
again, love the story, but just such bad television. Jets, great football team. They really are a good football team. And it's too bad that they don't have Rodgers because this could be really exciting. But they're just not that entertaining right now. Bad television. Um, So Mondays and Thursdays can only be divisional rivalries from here on out. Right? So you at least have a shot. Like, like even like a Steelers-Ravens game or a friggin' Titans-Jags game. There's going to be some meaning there. Okay? That's, that's solution one. Solution number two. It can't be that difficult to move any one of those Sunday games from the 10 spot on, on in the Pacific time, the one spot to the night game, right? It's just one. It can't be that difficult just to move it. We don't have to have it booked in, you know, uh, like weeks in advance. Right. And I get that the commentators, they're supposed to know what they're doing. They're looking at their travel plans, whatnot. How about this? How about at the beginning of the week on Monday, you tweet out, or however you want to get your information across, you let America decide the Sunday night matchup, and you put out three matchups. You, that doesn't screw up the scheduling. Like you could, you do your scheduling as it is, but just put out three matchups, and and not every matchup, just three. I don't want like radical Arizona Cardinals fans to hack the system so we get Cardinals versus Panthers on Sunday night football. No, that that would be bad. It's three. Matchups that the NFL has already locked in for one of these three games will be the Sunday night destination. That gives the commentators at least an idea of where they're headed. That gives them a week to prepare. You have one day, one 24-hour day of, of what game will be played on that Sunday night. And you let America choose, okay? Because I, I can't even begin to say how important these primetime games are for most of America. Right. People have their nine to fives and more than likely they hate them. So for many Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays, Thursdays and Fridays are okay. They mainly suck. Right. And it's a friggin miracle just waking up in the morning. Right. So how about this? How about the one solace, the one glimmer of light that many people have being football Let's give them a decent matchup, right? Just decent at the very least. Just just to get them through the night, right? Just so that Sunday night isn't completely bananas in terms of what did I just watch? Or just, just, just so that's not an absolute mundane vanilla cardboard sandwich, right? And same for Monday. As a fan, by the way, I think you'd be saving the league by doing this. But as a doctor, yeah, as a doctor, I'd confidently say you'd be saving lives. All right. Cool. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, but God almighty. We, I mean, we have the Jets next week are going to Vegas for Sunday Night Football. Uh, it's going to be a great time for the crew of the Sunday Night Football production team. I'm, I'm stoked for them. Have a great time. But why? Like, I know even when Rodgers was healthy, you were looking at this game. It was going to be Rodgers versus Jimmy G. Is that matchup that exciting? Think about a prime Jimmy G versus prime Rodgers. Was that matchup ever why people turned on the game? No, it was Rodgers versus the Niners. 
It was ever Jimmy G was in a, a absolute death match with Rogers. No, it was always Jimmy G with 10 attempts for 80 yards while Mostert or Elijah Mitchell or McCaffrey goes off for whatever, or the defense gets a punt return. So I, I don't know who's deciding what these, these primetime matchups ought to be. I think you'd solve a ton of issues just letting America choose. And I, I, I really say that sparingly, but you ought to think about it. Okay, let's move on to the power rankings for the week. Uh, it's pretty cut and clear that the Eagles are still in the number one spot. Um, not because they beat the Cowboys. Let's face it. The Cowboys, that's a lock. Big matchup that they lost. What a surprise. How shocking. How strange of a, of a universal occurrence this is. The Dallas Cowboys lost a big game. A game that many people could have predicted them to win. What, 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 a, what an outer-worldly experience this Come on. Come on. Really? No. The Eagles were always going to win this game, and they were probably always going to cover. You could look at the stat line like, yeah, Dak went off, I guess, and CeeDee Lamb, crazy game. But still, the Cowboys. And and I, I don't want to sound unintelligent when I say that, but the problem is the organization. You've year in, year out, put yourself in these positions that you're constantly coming up short. You're doing the best you can with what you have every year, but it's always Jerry Jones, you know, sticking with Dak. And when it's not Dak's fault, it's, oh, well, he had a miserable play caller, you know? Okay. Well, now that play caller is now the OC for the Chargers. Your new play caller is your dipshit head coach, Mike McCarthy. And they're sticking with him for reasons I don't know. He has a Super Bowl with Rodgers. That's great. Congrats. But is that what his entire career and tenure with the Cowboys is riding on? One Super Bowl and one quote-unquote great sleepover he had with Jerry Jones in the recruiting process? Yeah, the Cowboys are going to Cowboy. That's why the Eagles are still one, but it's still wide open. They are clear-cut number one right now, but that could change next week if a couple of these teams do some big things. Number two, I like the Ravens. Um, I'm I'm really, really high on the Ravens right now. They probably are the best team at home right now. If the Eagles go to the Ravens, I'm taking the Ravens. And I'm sure Vegas is too. Uh, the problem is, are they getting too hot at the wrong time? Right? Is this... Is this sort of untimely? Are they going to cool off? Is somebody going to get hurt? Is this team playing with too much physicality now? Because you obviously are doing well without J.K. Dobbins. But how many guys can you lose before it's not going to work? Is So it's a big question mark. They're number two because they're really good and they're hot and they're just dismantling teams at home. Um, I think they're going to remain in number two for another couple weeks. They have some big matchups coming up with the Browns and the Bengals. So um, I'm, I'm hesitant to make them any higher or lower. I think it's perfect, but you know, they're, they're good at where they're at. Chiefs three, again, a win is a win. 
Um, very hard to win in this league, especially in Germany. But the Chiefs are like they're they're the tail of two teams. They're either like incredible or they're just mid. And they're it doesn't feel like they're like, oh, they were this close. It's either incredible or mid. And in the game against the Dolphins, they showed both sides. They were incredible in the first half, just could not do wrong. Second half, mid, stupid penalties. Mahomes couldn't do anything. Um, I like them at three. Number four, the Niners. And the Jaguars, number five. How is that possible? Dr. PPR, how could you have a team on a bye go up in power rankings, especially jumping, leapfrogging over a team that was very high? What? How does it make any sense? Neither team played, and now they're both in different spots. How does that? I'll tell you how. First of all, the Niners just acquired Chase Young. And this defensive line is about to be a absolute force. A force you cannot move or even negotiate with. You're just going to have to deal with them. Armistead, Bosa, Young, Hargreaves, Gregory. That's, that's five could-be Hall of Famers. Could be. Maybe. At least three on one line. So, um, I... I I don't see how teams are going to be able to prepare for this. It's now the, the, the thing is their defensive backs, the Niners defensive backs is still somewhat of a nightmare and their defensive situation in general, isn't as airtight as it was in the first couple of weeks. But with that pass rush now, you, you, you're really going to screw some teams up. Niners are playing the Jaguars this week in Jacksonville. It would not surprise me if the Niners absolutely blow their doors off, right? This is a week of, you know, hearing it about the mistakes they made with Purdy and, you know, they, they're all, oh, they're not that good. And, and then in the head of bye week, everyone's healthy. Everyone's resting ish, I think. And then you go to Jacksonville and who also had a bye, but you just show them exactly the team you are. I had the Niners at four ready to move up, <laughs> ready to be back in that, two, three spot. I don't think they go back up to one, but I think you can very much elevate yourself to two or three after beating the hell out of the Jags. Uh, Jags are a great team, but they're not going to, they're just, I don't see how they can prepare for this Niners win. The Niners are probably the hungriest team in the NFL right now, which is a strange thought for a team that's already, you know, with, with that shouldn't be hungry. They, they should be hungry for the Super Bowl, not hungry for a win. They can get a win. Okay. They're not going to lose. Um, Bengals at six and they're going to be ready to move up. This is Joe Burrow in the winter. God, he's good. And he's just so precise, so accurate, so sharp. He's so good. And people are always like, where, where, where is this coming from? What, how is he? I'll tell you how he's so good. He was the number one overall pick with probably the greatest college football season of all time. And they're paying him for what he's worth. He's incredible. Just give Every year, just give him three to four weeks at the beginning of the season just to let him figure it out. Every year. Because now he's in stride. I mean, he's like a surgeon out there. He's so good. They're at six with an asterisk next to name ready to move up. Um, Lions at seven. Again, another bye week team. Probably going to beat up on their division for the rest of the year. The Packers suck. The Vikings could be interesting. Like, could make for some good games. Um, I wouldn't say they're in a Super Bowl situation because so many guys in that team are getting hurt. Yes, Dobbs came in and just crushed it, but they just lost Cam Akers, who was 
looking pretty promising as, as a, as a good backup going forward. Um, yeah. I'm, um, the lines are the lines are a good seven. They may win that uh, that wild card game in the playoffs. Maybe you know, like Atlanta or somebody, or maybe even the Vikings. They might even play the Vikings in the wild card. It's crazy. I mean, that Vikings team was so bad and looking like they were tanking for Caleb, and now they're five and four. I mean, they're literally one game behind the 49ers. What a crazy turnaround! I kind of called it too, by the way. Rewind the tape. Uh, four or five episodes back, I think I said something like. By week twelve, the Vikings will be eight and four. Well, they're five and four now, so we're almost there, huh? Interesting. Maybe Doctor PPR is just really smart. I don't know. Bills are eight. Um, not gonna move them up or down. They did play Burrow in Burrow's house, but they the Bills are probably gonna win a playoff game. One, I don't see them beating the Jaguars. I definitely don't see them beating the Bengals, certainly not the Ravens and not even the Chiefs. Like you have to play one of those teams in the next round. Hell, Bills, Steelers, probably go Bills, which is why the Steelers are number nine in the power ranking. Steelers had another win against Tennessee. Good win. Hard to prepare with Will Levis, you know, taking snaps. You don't have a lot of tape on him, but they still found a way to win. It's close. Um, Bills could beat the Steelers. Can the Bills beat the Chargers? Probably. Um, that's why I have eight, nine are bill Steelers chargers at 10 in the power rankings, their defense, the chargers are finally figuring out what the hell to do with their defense. They're 500. Welcome back. Um, it's a long season. You know, you could be eight and four in four weeks and you're in contention, right? So if they figured out their defense, which seems like they have as of late, they played play two mediocre teams, bears jets, but you know, Herbert can throw. Um, they didn't really need him to throw that much last night. They, you know, their defense put him in great spots. Their special teams was killing it. Um, right, and the Steelers have a great defense as well, one of the best in the league. And Kenny Pickett is kind of kind of relevant sometimes, kind of disappears thanks to Matt Canada's blasphemous play calling. But that's it. That's my top 10. The Dolphins are out. Listen, I'm not doing it. I, I, I can't have them in there anymore if they're just – not going to beat good teams. You have to be able to beat teams over 500. If you want to be in this, in this top 10 of power rankings, like you have to be able to go to someone's house or to another country or even at your own turf and win a massive game to even be considered for this spot. And that's my point with why I warned you about Tyreek and Tua. You know, you put all your chips on them at the beginning of the season. They look so good. They were dismantling the shitty teams, but they can't play well against the good teams. That's, that's a problem. That that's really bad. So yeah, they don't deserve to be in the top 10 and the books out on how to guard them. Is Tua that accurate? I, I don't think so. I don't, I don't see how you can say he is that guy. He, he missed multiple throws, including what could have been the game winner. And he fumbled on a play that could have easily been another game winner. Yeah. You could say, Oh, if he would have caught the ball here, would have done this, that, but he didn't, he's just not doing it. Is it because of injury? Why did the ball slip out of his hands? Is it a lack of proper neurological communication in his brain from all the hits? I don't know. Could be too hard to tell, but I did warn you as a doctor to not invest in him. So if you have Tua and Tyreek, you've probably been slumping as of late. 
because you didn't trade them like I told you to trade them. You didn't get the big value that they were worth. They're not really worth that much anymore. You kind of be buying both of them low as of late. Anyways, I warned you. Um, okay, let's talk about guys to grab really quickly. Um, I'm really high on Will Levis. I think I think that team can can change their whole offense based on who's throwing. Tannehill is not the guy. Malik Willis wasn't the guy. Levis, they can throw. I mean, they they can throw with him. They will throw with him. Hopkins is an amazing receiver still. Will Levis would be a great guy to grab if you're struggling in deeper leagues. Same with Josh Dobbs. My God. I mean, what that game was a miracle. Friggin' miracle. Like, what in the Michael Vick happened on some of those runs? Holy Peyton Manning. The throws he was making, the plays he was extending. Yeah, you have to pick up Josh Dobbs if you're in a quarterback bind, and you have to start him because the Vikings don't have a very good defense, obviously. But the way he can extend plays, this rocket scientist is pretty good at football. So Maybe he only has 150 yards in total. Maybe he has a couple of picks. He's going to get you six to seven points from rushing alone. And he's proven to be pretty adequate around the goal line. I like Josh Dobbs. and I like Will Levis as my two quarterbacks to grab. Okay, another interesting guy. Also plays for the Vikings. Keep your eye on Ty Chandler. He's the backup to Alexander Madison in Minnesota. I don't think the Madison experiment is working out in Minnesota. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they look to Ty Chandler, like they were looking to Cam Akers a lot more. Akers is done for the year, by the way. So Chandler will be a great sneaky pickup, uh, especially when guys start hitting bye weeks. Like oh, last week was like bye bye week apocalypse. It was awful. Um, think about Ty Chandler, OBJ, another guy I would definitely go after and grab. The guy is trying to say he's back. You know, he had a lot of targets, seven targets, five catches, a touchdown, and one fumble. Too bad. He's done it before, though. Um, if the Ravens are that good, they're probably going to stay good, probably going to play some good teams, and they may even start throwing the ball more. I don't even know how many times you can have Gus Edwards just sneak it in at the one. Sometimes someone's got to catch a ball. Between Bateman and Flowers and OBJ, somebody's got to catch a ball. Pick up OBJ if he's there. And then finally, my favorite pickup, who's available, Jahan Dotson. Washington. I love Sam Howell. I think Sam Howell is awesome. He throws such a good ball. He's got a great, great vision, really high IQ. Uh, there's a couple throws he, he airmailed in New England, but smart guy. And Biennemi is a very, very competitive and competent play caller, the OC. Jahan Dotson is proving himself to be the wide receiver two on that team. It's looking like it's scary Terry McClure. And Dotson is probably beating out Curtis Samuel. Logan Thomas is a good tight end, but I like Dotson as the second best target on that team. Think about getting Dotson. Okay, and last but not least, my favorite segment of our show, and very relevant right now, is who is king of the dipshits? Who is going to... You, you said it, folks. Who is going to tank for... Caleb! Yep. Yep. All right. And music. So, okay. I'll just say this. We'll be quick. You probably saw the Washington-USC game highlights or clips or a couple throws and maybe even saw the whole game. But you definitely saw the fact that Caleb Williams was crying 
in his mom's arms after the game. Whatever your opinion on that is, you know, and whatever your opinion on him as a as a kid in general, I, I want you to think about that less, right? Seriously, because he is just a kid. Like, if you think it's pathetic that he was crying, if it's a baby issue, if you want to pull back receipts when he tweeted at Max Duggan for crying after a really hard-fought game, maybe Caleb Williams is a punk. Maybe he's a little spoiled. Maybe he's selfish. Maybe he's egotistic. Fine. There is no denying he is a phenomenal quarterback, right? Don't let the fact that USC can't figure their defense out, which, by the way, their defensive coordinator is gone, jobless, fired. He's goodbye, toast. Caleb Williams having to put up 300 yards each and every week is incredible. Incredible. And the fact that we aren't considering him for a Heisman anymore because of what he has to do each and every week is an outstanding achievement. Like for him to win the Heisman back-to-back, he'd have to do better than last year while win games, while everyone in America is coming after him, and while their defensive coordinator is smoking crack on the sidelines in the locker room, drawing up horrendous schemes. Their running back for Washington had 250 yards rushing. What the hell? That game was supposed to be Penix versus Caleb in a grudge match of an an arms race of throwers. Not... 258 yards rushing for Washington. That's a joke. Caleb Williams is going to be a very good NFL quarterback. I don't know how good of a leader he'll be and what kind of a man he'll be outside of the game, but it's um, no doubt in my mind. I saw him live make throws that should definitely put him up there with Mahomes as far as like the unbelievable nature of these throws. The dude is, is incredible. Um, and so with that being said, right now it looks like there are three teams that are winning this tank race. And it may be uh, it may be a three-horse race for the rest of the year. Um, the Vikings are out of contention. Uh, the Raiders are also out because it would seem that they may have something with Aiden O'Connell, right? That locker room is, is going through a shift. And if they rally behind Pierce and if O'Connell... Pierce is a head coach. If if O'Connell just leads them to a great season for the rest of the year, that, that is amazing chemistry growing pains that they all go through together. Or they become a hotspot in free agency. It's not a very tough place to sell like Las Vegas, uh, especially if Devontae stays and if they built themselves up to a good name and a, a possible destination. Um, but uh, the Raiders are out. Vikings are out of this race. Uh, Titans are out. They got a guy. Um, I love the idea of Caleb going to Arizona. I think that could be a good place for him. Maybe, and, and maybe you're dealing with similar defenses, but like, you know, it's not that far away. It still feels like he's playing at USC. He's definitely an LA SoCal desert vibe guy. Um, Patriots could be another good spot for him. If, if you get rid of, Belichick, if you kind of pull up everything and toss Belichick and bring in a new team and build around Caleb Williams, that could be very dangerous and possibly building a dynasty for years to come, maybe. Or he goes to Chicago. And that could be interesting, right? This this new era 
of Chicago Bears management is not at fault here. Uh, the GM polls, Ryan Poles, inherited Justin Fields, inherited this coach. Um, they're they're kind of stuck, and they're probably going to clean the house. DJ Moore and getting the first round pick and is acquiring these guys. That's all polls and getting Montez Sweat. That's polls. They're building for something. Someone's going to go. Whether it's uh, coach is gone or Fields is gone, that's uh, Bajan's not the truth. He's a great story, but Chicago could be a good spot for Caleb Williams as well. They'll have great draft capital based on how Carolina does and based on how Chicago does the rest of the year. They're going to have a lot of picks. They could trade one of those picks to maybe get space, get other guys. Um, but yeah, Bears, Cardinals, Patriots. It's a three-horse race. Don't know who's going to win it. Caleb will go one of those places if he doesn't go or doesn't stay. Yeah, he he may stay at USC. He may get just enough money from the NIL, enough opportunity to do one more year. He could make $20 million as a college athlete if they're just throwing money on him. They're like, hey, listen, we want to win a natty. He may just stay then and then go play for whoever sucks next year, which could still be the Cardinals, by the way. Okay, that's it, folks. Um, thank you for listening to Dr. PPR. I mentioned my favorite teams and guys who go after and also the guys who suck. Uh, listen later on this week. I'll be back with uh, more information about who to bet on and later on in the week. Ciao. Thank you.